Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. We have a launch kit. And not just dispensaries, but also manufacturers, cultivators. We do a quick assessment and take a look at what you've got in place and then put a plan together to help you. Do you need job descriptions? Do you need them tightened up? We really help build out that infrastructure and train along with them. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Thank you. Joining us again today. Welcome. Good seeing you, Dave. Good to see you. Before we begin, I know it's October, but... I want to make a holiday gift recommendation. <laughs> really getting out ahead of it this year. A lot of a lot of backlog this year, I think. So just in case there's an inventory shortage. So I just wanted to tell you, if you're interested in cooking with cannabis for health and wellness, which I know a lot of us are, I want to give a shout out to a new cannabis cookbook by Jasmine Moore, also known as Chef Jazz. Not a great name. And uh, it's called More Than a Cannabis Cookbook which is now available for pre-sale. Chef Jazz has been working on this for over a year and would love to have your support. The book defines the intersection between food and cannabis, and it demonstrates how you can cook with cannabis for health and happiness and hopefully avoid some of the common mistakes. So she wrote this book because shedding a light on the relationship between cannabis and food will help those who suffer from common health issues. And as always, the link for pre-order more than a cannabis cookbook by Chef Jazz will be in the show notes. So again, I don't really cook, 
I think about it, but <laughs> I, I keep hearing people telling these stories and this would be a great way for you to introduce this cannabis into your family's life if this is something you want to do. So that's my one book recommendation. Cool. Looks good. Looks good, right? And, and let's see. Oh, and before we begin, the Cannamom Show wants to thank our very best new friend, Cannabis Rocky, the co-host and the fantastic of the fantastic podcast, Hi Bud Tenders, because she gave us her gift of time and website help. See, collaboration, ladies. I did. Hey, Dave, have I mentioned I'm an award-winning podcaster? <laughs> not not for the last three and a half minutes, so let's do not it yet. again. So, so Rocky was in competition with me, but I took it away this year. But still, we work together. So, um, again, collaboration, not competition. And you're looking for another <laughs> great uh, podcast, check out Hi by Tenders. And before we begin, we want to thank How to Do the Pot and Ellen Scanlon for making today's show possible. All right. So today's show guest, today's guest has journeyed from a rule breaker to regulatory compliance specialist, the type of person the highly regulated cannabis industry definitely needs more of. And lucky for us, she was terminated from her bank position in 2019 and is now focusing her fierce energy on supporting operators in the cannabis industry, build and scale, create compliant workflows, and develop operational infrastructure here to share her journey from a young mom who climbed the corporate ladder to a cannabis entrepreneur as the chief learning officer of Rocky Mountain Cannabis Consultant, a woman-owned and led cannabis compliant education company that provides strategic operational consulting to all operation types nationwide. That's a lot, right? Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, my clubhouse friend, Debbie Spronza. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you, Dave. I'm so glad to be here. I'm such a fan of the podcast already. I listened to it. Congratulations on your recent award. It's so, it's just, I really love what you do in helping moms like me just be able to, uh, share our voice and, and, and empower one another. I was just bragging on you yesterday, talking with my best friend about how um, I'm going to be on this podcast, my friend Joyce, and there's this whole community out there that she doesn't they're, know about. They're coming. And- so, uh, so as much as I love to talk about me, <laughs> we do talk about moms. Uh, let's, let's start there. I mean, literally, let's start there. So you are really, you're a young mom, you are working, whatever. You, tell sort of tell yeah. the story how you got there. I think that, that story alone is very helpful for women who want to maybe get into this industry. Yeah, I became a mother um, at the age of 17. Funny enough, wasn't planned, just kind of happened. Really had to uh, become an adult at that point. And so I married my high school sweetheart at the age of 19. I had my daughter with him. And so again, still a very young mom. Very young. And you still look young. You look great. People can't well, see thank you. But... you. When I was younger, I always wanted to look older just for some like legitimacy that I'm a little bit older. I'm like, yeah guess how old my kids are? You can't guess how old I am. I love it. Awesome. So I really, I found myself in a situation. High school? Of, like where were you at 19? Like really, where were you in your life at 19? Well, yeah. When my, when my son was born, when I was 17, I was in the DC Baltimore area. Okay. Um, so that's where I went to high school and that's where I kind of, kind of came up and really, really loved living there. But I married my and, and like, just so this is always about cannabis. So like I, you, you came from a pretty conservative background and that was, I, is that where you were? Yeah, I did. The community wasn't conservative, but my mother and father were, my mother was a, or I guess still is a born again Christian. And my father was a very uh, angry former Catholic. And so <laughs> That's a nice um, combination. very conservative. They were not 
I got I got the message that cannabis was for druggies and it right. was like a bad thing okay, and, yeah. and all of that. And my uncle was a deadhead, which I adored him. I thought I love Grateful Dead. And I was like, you know what? He seems like a pretty cool guy. And I know he's he's doing yeah. this and uh always looking, you know, it, you know, for for room to um rebel against my parents. This yes, yeah, yes. certainly wasn't one of the just wasn't the only way Sorry, you know okay. I I tried it out for myself and I was like you guys are crazy this is great yeah. like I don't yeah, yeah. I just yeah. didn't have any all right so you so you are a cannabis consuming young adult who had two small children had you finished high school at 19 or you no I dropped out and got my GED at 17 okay, okay. so things yeah. are not probably going as your parents planned at this point yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I dropped out of high school I, I you, got my you, GED. you were married right were you married I was people? working were you married to your husband to your um, boyfriend? I did. Okay, yeah, we okay. got married in between in between the two. Okay. So, right. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm not going to marry you just because I'm pregnant. And then I was just like, oh, it, it's, we've been together for so long. Let's have another one. It works. Okay. So, yeah. But also people listening to this, uh, you know, it's, I do talk to a lot of women in the corporate world who came up more like I did a sort of more traditional route through college, grad school, you know, right. and worked our ways professionally. So this is a really kind of different story, which is what I like sharing. So, yeah, okay, yeah, I, my path was definitely, believe me, I might've been in corporate for 21 years, but I never quite fit in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might've excelled, but I definitely was the lady with the sandals and the, and the Birkenstocks. So I, I never really quite fit in there. So you're very young, you're married, you have a couple of kids and then yeah. what happens to sort of shift? you into I guess first yeah. you went into you went to the banking so how do you can get to like how do you get to be the corporate America and then how did you shift into cannabis work? yeah I'll speed it up so um I married my husband joined the army and he was also an alcoholic I didn't okay. we didn't know that when we were when we first got together alcohol was new for all of us but right. he quickly became an alcoholic and it was so he was stationed in Fort Irwin California which is just below Death Valley in the Mojave Desert wow. it's I was in the middle of nowhere I was in a trailer little, wow wow yeah and really really isolated uh, there was no one near me and I just had to get out I was like this is not like I did not set out in my life to be this person, to living in a trailer with an alcoholic husband and two kids running around, no means of income. I mean, I was poor, literally. And so it it took a little while to get out of there. I mean, it took me a couple of years, but I did get back to the Baltimore area and went to um, a temp agency to, I I went to the the library, taught myself um, how to type. I taught myself, I got a magazine and recreated it in Microsoft Word, the layout of a magazine page, just so that I could say I could do something. I didn't know what to do. So I gave myself tasks. I've I've always been a self-learner. Look at you. Um, That's actually, that's very, I mean, how old are you? You're like, you're you're still in your twenties, right? You're young. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was like 22. Again, the power of motherhood desperation do not underestimate the power of desperation when you need to take care of some humans it does something to your brain yeah yeah, yeah. all right so, so i was working i was working part-time at a, a dress barn which i don't know they don't have those out here in Colorado. i, I had I that I, I had one yeah i remember that okay yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so i worked there so i got myself a, a a good suit went to a temp agency and showed off my typing skills and all of that and they placed me at a mortgage company and so that was my entry. I was there as a temp and they were like, holy shit, you're great. We're going to hire you. And so I got a permanent position at the, at the nice. mortgage company. Yeah. And like, just to give me somebody a chance. Oh my God, people just giving a human being a chance who may not look like the person you think you right. want. That's great. That's really inspiring. Yeah. Okay. It really helped that I, I dressed up well and I was a white lady. I mean, it really, yeah. really helped. So I can't anyway. 
but you're there. Okay. So, yeah. but then are you using cannabis like this whole time? Is this really still part of your lifestyle? What's going on with the cannabis and you have little kids and you're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I was definitely using cannabis. I started out just recreationally, again, kind of inspired by good times and parties. Yeah, yeah. It was good. And I, I realized as I was looking to just further my own education and, and learning to be in just a better human and, and a better mother that it was expanding my mind. It was helping me make connections. It was helping me be in touch with, with my children, with, with All other right, so people. I love this. I love this conversation because so I did not consume cannabis when my children were young. I could have used it. I was very anxious. And now I understand how it works and the whole connection thing. And so we, you, you've actually kidded about this. So you'll walk into a room with your friends who are all drinking wine and somebody will consciously say, does somebody smell smoke? So yeah. So, <laughs> so how did you deal with this? Yeah. yeah. How Who does that? that? And I'm like, oh, it's me. So I you're mean, living, yes, but you're living in this world and there's still stigma, but you're consuming this. This is the interesting thing I think about the ladies I interview is they are getting all the messages from the outside world, how bad this is and how it makes you a bad person and how it's dangerous, but your own experience of it literally um, shows you something different, right? Yes. So that was sort of what you were experiencing at this time. Were you part of a, did you have friends who were smoking or was it just you? Like, how did this work for you in your life? No one through work. I never discussed any, any, any cannabis use, anything with anyone that I worked with or could potentially work with. I, I was terrified of that. My best friend who I'm still best friends with today, I knew her, I've known her since high school. And so there was some younger high school friends. Now I don't, st- I'm not still friends with all those folks, but when I was a very young mother, I just had my best friend and my brother. My brother was also uh, a cannabis user, which is okay. where I got it from for the first time. Me too. Um, and then yeah. that's so funny. My brother was growing it. My mother was on the show uh, months ago and she tells the story of my brother growing a plant on our on the roof of the porch. My mother didn't know what it was, obviously. And my right. cousin was over going, oh my God, Debbie, why are you growing that up there? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember uh, my mother finding a bong and being like, what is this? And uh, we're like, that's something that helps us quit smoking. And she was just like, well, I threw it away. Like she knew it wasn't yeah. something to help us quit smoking, <laughs> but you know. All right. So you have like a family connection. You're smoking with your brother, but you're kind of, again, this is the thing that people don't understand the inside of this world. This is what's going on everywhere. And yes. every, so you're going through this corporate world, doing what you need to do, really excelling because you are using cannabis, because you are balanced, because you are able to do the things that need to be done in front of you, because you have children. And I'm sure you had other stuff going on, but you also had a professional life. Right. So, and you were able and to so, get to that. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, terrified. My, my friend was so important to me to have another woman, another mother that could help me not feel so isolated because not only did I have the, the cannabis stigma, the, the being terrified of someone coming to take my children away because I'm a young mother and they're already judging you. But because I was a young mother, none of the other mothers were my age. Mm. So there was a really big age difference too. So really going into to see other moms where they're all drinking wine and they're affluent and they're, I mean, it was really disparaging to, to show up smelling like weed. And so I was very isolated. I didn't have, I tried to go to a couple of parent teacher conferences, like with the whole, the whole PTA. And I'm sorry, but these parents were just so, I can't even think of anything non-vulgar to say. They were just 
not like me. They were, they were so focused on things that I was not focused on. I was focused on my children learning and they were focused on all this other stuff. And I was just like, I don't fit in here. I felt very, very excluded because I'm not going to lie. I, I was stoned when I showed up at the PTA. Yeah. How else could I, I have dealt with it? I, so I used to run those PTAs. I used to like the moms like you who showed up because the other ones made me crazy. So I appreciated you and I would have smoked with you now that oh, I Oh, see, Joyce. I know. We yeah. would have been friends if you'd been out here. I always say, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was that mom, everyone. I yeah. was that mom. Um, yeah. All right. So you're this mom. You're doing your thing. You're doing your job. So I want to get, we haven't really even talked about what you've done yet. So, all right. So you're doing your job and just sort of talk about what you're doing, the banking, the compliance, why, why it is so relevant to the cannabis work. And then how did you get into the learning stuff that you're doing? Yes. Okay. So I, um, when I was working at the bank, I started out doing, doing data entry and I was actually tracking and tracing legal documents to the government, right? So I was doing, you may be aware, just the secondary mortgage, right? So we were selling these mortgages on the secondary market and I was ensuring that they were government insured. All of their, all of that loan file had all of the documents that it needed to be so that we could prove that to the government or secondary investors. No one really taught me my job except here, watch what I'm doing. And it was really complicated and there were really huge repercussions for, for what we were doing. Exactly. We're getting government insurance. We're sending stuff to the government. And if you screw up, the man is generally not happy with you. Or they just send it back and it rejects all their work that, I mean, that's literally what happens at the court system. They don't help you figure out what you did wrong, but they'll send it back and be like, you did something wrong. Exactly. So (laughs) you got to be careful. I understand that. Yep. So we had this really tedious process that we were doing to track these documents and, and I remember I had taught myself Word and the computer and all of that. And just, I was and just, like, what, I gotta, just like, so we get a context of like what year it is for technology sense, like what year um, are you doing this? this is 1998. Okay. So it's transitional year for technology. Yeah. 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 So I was one of those folks who just love the computer. So I was like, we can make this better. And so I used, what I did is I used an access database to our, our mainframe in order to streamline this transmittal process, something that took us a week we now could do with a push of a button and then go out and verify. So I streamlined this process. And so I got a promotion. And then I was like, no one else knows how to do this. I've got to go ahead and tell you how to do it. So I started training. And eventually I ended up being uh, the vice president of learning architecture for the entire bank. That was, yeah. And so I had between like 5,000 and 10,000 students. So you're you're going from like living in a trailer with your kids, with an alcoholic husband to running this really professional organization at a very high level while also consuming cannabis, right? Yes. I mean, I literally at one point had an office with a window and I could look out Baltimore. I could just look out at my beautiful, beautiful city. It was, I, I was living the life. I was riding high. I feel so proud of you. Were you wearing high heels then? No, I wore Birkenstocks. (laughs) The whole time. Good for you. Okay. All right. So you're doing this thing. You're really up there. You've streamlined this bank. You've proven that a single mom could do it, whatever. And then what happens? Yeah. So I really got a good lesson in loyalty and what true relationships mean. Okay. I worked again for this company for, for 21 years and starting out as such a young person, I ate that corporate garbage right up all the, all their corporate values and all of their, how important I was to them. And I ate it all up and I got a text message at seven 30 in the morning on a Monday after coming off a wonderful weekend. I went to Meow Wolf. I was like living the life. I had finished a huge project at work 
got a text at 7.30 in the morning for me to call my boss. And so she let me know that my position had been eliminated and there was no place for me at the, at the bank anymore. And what, that was what it. Year was it. What month was this? December? Was this is What year was this? This was in, oh, I blocked it out. It was in 2018, 2019. 2019. Okay. 2019. Okay. March of 2019. Just before my birthday. Oh my gosh. It was all, it was terrible. I just felt totally gutted. And so, so at this point, your kids are grown though. It's just you, you kind of like, you live in, well, okay. right. My, my adult daughter does still live here, but okay. I get rent now. So they're helping me. I'm not helping them. <laughs> but, but, but you know, the t- you know, you, you made it to this point, you've kind of achieved this amazing goal. You've raised your children, you've done your thing and now you're yes. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's kind of shitty. It was really scary. It was yeah. really scary. And so I, you know, what you do when you're down, you get up and you figure out what you're going to do. You just, you can't sit there and, and wallow in it. I definitely started, I might've drank a little bit more whiskey at that time, but I also <laughs> started going out there and networking my ass off. And so I and already then, and had did you a have, lot of folks. But, but at that time, were you like, I want to go back and this is what I think is in 20 years is a big investment of time in something. But when you had this freedom or the space to think about something different, were you automatically, I want to work back in banking or I want to go to cannabis or like, <laughs> no, right, you know what I'm making. There is there, no, no way I'm ever working for the man again. All right. So what was your original thought? Were you like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I can do this on my own. What'd you think? Well, I had known for a little while that I did want to have my own training education company, but I knew that I needed subject matter experts. I needed people that I wanted a subject that I cared about, well, cannabis, right? But I was also taking a look at other nonprofits like Planned Parenthood and those types of things. I was looking to, because I had wanted to do this while I was stuck in corporate for a while. It's just hard to move when you're in a cushy position. It's, it's hard to make a move. So the spirit was always there to provide education and learning to people who really need it. And so in my networking, that's who I started reaching out to. And thankfully I already had, had some friends in cannabis, just as a Man, I'm in Colorado. I know. I'm I know. You said where you are. Yeah, so you're, so you're, and if you're in the business, I was like, hey, cool. So 2019, um, 2020, you're like, I live in Colorado. I love yeah. cannabis. I need a job. With a clicking in your head, like, uh, yeah, I could. Did you ever think of cannabis as a business before this? No, no, I, I didn't. didn't. Okay. okay, no, because I do a lot of gardening myself, and a lot I've tried to grow cannabis before in, in my closet, literally, and it, it, it wasn't any good. I, I, I think. To be perfectly honest, the same way that I love like a beer or love like uh, like whiskey, like I, I'm not going to make my own whiskey. I'm not going to make my own beer. I want to leave my medicine to the professionals. Right. That's just kind of the way that it is. But I, I do want to help everyone enjoy it. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's, that is the, that's the message is that whatever your passion is, whatever it is that you know how to do, the industry needs you. Well, I say this all the time and you can find a vocation in it. This is really where you are. Everybody doesn't have to grow the plant. Everyone doesn't have to touch the plant, but this is an industry that touches everything. Cosmetics, criminal justice. Yes. So whatever your passion is at this point and stage in life, cannabis needs you. And I don't know how to say, and we need women like us, like who have lived and done the thing and are caregivers because 
it's a caregiver. She's a caregiver. This industry should look like us. It shouldn't just look like the way all other businesses yes. are built, which brings us to what you're doing now. Okay. So I'm going to have to take a break soon, but just tell me what the business is and how it came to be and what, and who are your partners. And then we'll come back on the other side. Sure. Yeah, I joined after I did my networking. I joined uh, RMCC. I met Brian Ramsey, who is our CEO and founder. So she started. And just say the name of the business again. I said at the beginning, but Rocky Mountain Cannabis Consulting. Great. Yeah, and you're and you're in Denver. Yes, we are. Okay. We're based right here in Denver. Okay. She began. She began RMCC in. She it was kind of her side gig for a little while. Brian Ramsey was a former compliance uh, officer at Flow Hub. She ran, she managed multiple locations for light shade. She's been, she's done, she's been a bud tender all the way up to sea level there. And so what she was doing was really seeing gap between the education and the knowledge that folks need to run their, their metric, their state track and trace system and all of their operational infrastructure. Like people are trained how, you know, trained, and I use that term loosely, what buttons to push, but not how to actually come up with the workflows that make tracking and tracing your cannabis compliant. Because this is such an intricate, strange, state-specific, God knows what's going to happen, the federal government is. And for each individual dispensary, on top of everything else they're doing to manage this, this is an astronomical feat. Like I don't... I'm pretty sure other people under industry don't quite get what they're dealing with. So your vision is that on top of everything else, they don't need to be dealing with this stuff and we can give them really good tools. Is that what you're helping them that each for? Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like the, the, right now there's such a lack of, of this education. For example, here in Colorado, there's an optional, well, it's not optional for social equity, but it's optional for everyone else. It required a training program and it's only two hours long and it's really consumer face, right? Consumer focused. It's not the business to business, the business that needs to be sustainable, the business that needs to operate in order to deliver that medicine. But they're, they're not given the, the education and the tools and that infrastructure to do any of that anyway. It, and, it, are you, and, and, and just, I always kind of put things back into the law. So like in the law world, well, there are law books, then there's like, there's always amendments, always amendments. So it's not up to each individual lawyer to, they have to check on it, but it's not responsible to keep up on it, specifically right. in terms of the documentation that you'd be checking. So is that something your business is doing? That's is working exactly with what we do. That's yeah, exactly okay. what we do. My other partner is a Lindsay Kincaid and she's our chief compliance officer. Okay. Uh, she comes from, she's a technical writer and comes from finance as well. I recruited her. She was my first recruit. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah. And so what we do is we have, it's her full-time job and, and, and her team to stay on top of those regulatory updates. And we provide to our operators, our, our clients, we have a state regulatory matrix and it's in all the different states. So if you're in Colorado, you have one. If you're in Maine, Massachusetts, you, you've got your own. And what it does is it consolidates all of that regulatory information by section that operators need. So like packaging and labeling or facility type and waste and those different things, and then puts it it with some everyday language so mm-hmm. that the operator can actually use this tool, do a quick search and say, oh, th- 
okay, this is what I need to do with these tags. And th- this is what's compliant and this is what's not compliant. And that's so- That's amazing. I, I don't know, all my listeners have gone into dispensaries. That's the most crazy thing, what are on these packages. And I don't know what the repercussions are if you miss it, but you know, yeah. these are, the bartenders are talking to you. They have to know all their products. They have to know how the system works because they have to make sure it happens in a very specific way in a very specific order, or they treat this like plutonium. So- to keep on top of it is really, really hard. And I'll say as an attorney who is trained to read regulations, it could take me hours to be like decipher like two lines. I'm like, well, what does that actually mean? And who does it revel it? So to right. have somebody sort of like refer it back. And I know as these things get litigated and as these things sort of get whatever, we'll have more yeah. specifics. But right now, regulations are written intentionally a bit vague. I mean, that's an intentional thing. And it's hard for individual people who are just doing their little jobs to really understand how where the boundaries are, I guess. Right. Because the, the big guys are always pushing the boundaries, which is why it always seems like they're doing stuff that's illegal. And the regular people are always trying to stay deep within those boundaries because they're afraid mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're helping them. Definitely a disparity between uh, what those, the people making those laws think actually happens on the ground. Like you write it like that and then, and, and then you expect them to perform that and then you give them technology that they have to use like metric, you give them this technology they have to use that has no safeguards on it. It doesn't stop them from doing what they're not allowed to do. That, that's not fair. That's not right. And so we want to help these folks really understand how to avoid infractions or, or, or those things. And, and so at the very highest we, level, we serve as outsourced compliance officers. And we actually we want go to build this. Yeah, we want to build this industry. Like, I don't yes. know, we've never built an industry before like this. And again, we have women in this now, so it's going to look a little different, we hope. And we're right. trying to build this industry that reflects our values. And that's part of what regulation is supposed to do. It's not just supposed to be like, make you feel sad. Regulations are there to <laughs> set boundaries that everyone's supposed to be within. Mm-hmm. And this is a very, very big industry. This is such a great thing for you to talk about. All right, so I do have to take a break. But we'll be back on the other side with my friend, Debbie Spranza. Chief Learning Officer of Rocky Mountain Cannabis Consulting, because first I want to thank our sponsor, How to Do the Pot, a podcast, but so much more. Are you looking for answers to your cannabis questions like, can cannabis help me sleep? How do I use pot for sex? Can I grow my own weed at home? What is the best strain for me? We all know this industry is confusing and it can feel hard to find a place to start. All those questions you're secretly Googling about cannabis? Well, I found a great place for you to get answers. How to Do the Pot is a tightly edited weekly podcast that demystifies cannabis for women through fun, narrative storytelling, and informed recommendations and advice. Hosted by Ellen Scanlon, How to Do the Pot's product recommendations include some of the women-run businesses we've spoken to over the past few years. I love working with other women in the industry and am especially happy to be working with another woman-focused podcast. How to Do the Pot is available wherever you listen. You can find out more at dothepot.com. And that's also where you can sign up for their very popular newsletter. Plus, they're on all the social medias at dot the pot, do the, sorry, do the pot. And I highly recommend this podcast and hope you will give her a listen. How to Do the Pot. Thank you. All right. Education, education, education. Let's see. In five minutes, can you explain exactly what you do and how you help dispensaries? (laughs) You specifically. What we do um, at the highest level is we have something that we call a launch kit. 
And not just dispensaries, but also manufacturers, cultivators. What we do is we come on site and we do a quick assessment and take a look at what you've got in place and then put a plan together to help you. Do you need job descriptions? Uh, do you need them? Do you need them tightened up? We really help build out that infrastructure and train along with them. And like, are people uh, calling you in before they're set up? Or are you coming into people that have already set up and they'd help? Where, at what point of the business are you coming in? Optimally, we come in as they're setting up. Now, we, we do help folks with licensing as well, but that's not our main focus. So optimally, we like to start right in the beginning so that you're, you're starting out your business nice and fresh with all the correct infrastructure in place. But oftentimes that doesn't happen. So we've got, we've got folks at all different levels. And so most often someone has already started. Sometimes uh, what's happened is people need maybe a metric audit cleanup where they have all of their data and they know they're not quite in compliance and they can't quite get themselves out of the workflows are so difficult. And so at the highest level, we come in and and help them with that, get those workflows ironed out, help them get back in compliance or improve their, improve those workflows. I mean, that that on site and with our online training platform, just like training workers. I mean, because workers are probably coming and going and that has got to be something that's really, um, it can cause some real problems. If the, person who's selling you or in the, isn't doing the right things, checking you incorrectly, doing all the things yes. that you could get checked on. So that yeah. seems really important. And it seems like people would need help with something like that. Yes. Okay. And I think that's what's, um, so this launch kit that we do again is very, it's our, it's our, it's our highest, it's our, our, our biggest package, if you will, and is our biggest investment. And one of the things that happened through COVID was we couldn't do that anymore. Right. Right. We all couldn't hop on an airplane and go help, help all these, these folks out. And so what we had to do was accelerate our training program. So what we have a compliance operations certification program that teaches you just what the launch kit would do, but you're, you're kind of doing it yourself, right? You you have all that education. And so we transformed Is it it video, audio? What is it? Is that a YouTube video, audio? What is, what kind of thing is it? Uh, Yeah, it goes through an online learning platform. There's, there's videos there's a Slack channel. You get Uh, one-on-one coaching with leadership. Oh, nice. I mean, it's, it's a blended learning program. You get, you get all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's pretty cool. We just closed the window for 2021. Okay. But we have our wait list open for 2022 for compliance operations certification. How many, so how many are in a class or how does that work? Or how does people, if they're interested in connecting in this kind of program? Well, it's pretty, we had a cap of, oh, I'm trying to think because we had a, So we do for social equity folks, we have uh, 25 uh, seats that are absolutely no cost to 20 for those folks. And and, and those are filled. And do you get recommendations for those? Are people coming to you independently? How do you find people who are in that category? Through just our other networking and some of the outreach that we've done. Um, We've done some work with the MRA. We did some work. uh, This is in Michigan. Uh, We did some work with the Detroit Cannabis Project. People Um, love Michigan. They're on state of cannabis. They're like going on about Michigan today. So they're doing something right. They are, you know, Michigan is really trying, I think, very hard. They definitely, my chief compliance officer talks to the regulators all the time, right? You kind of have to. And she always has very high praise for how helpful they are in trying to answer your questions and and trying Mm -hmm. to get things taken care of. So no, I just, I just, they were talking about Michigan today and they're just giving it high praise. So I just wonder what they're doing. It's different than everybody else. Yeah. We have a lot of folks in the Emerald Triangle in California in that area. Again, like, so, so we definitely, we trying to help the community, the people who have been here before us 
and are, are making this. Yeah. That's actually, um, so that's an interesting group them. to support. Yeah. Yeah. But that is, um, that but is I, that, it's hard to enter a regulated industry, especially if you haven't been part of it. And it's very, very, very expensive. That's the other thing about cannabis and this training, you got to do it right. Yep. You can't not invest in your, it's like not, if you don't have a strong foundation, how are you going to have a good business? So yes. you need to invest in these things to make yeah. sure the business is going to succeed. Yeah. That's- it's so rewarding to watch those students come through and see the light bulbs go off and they're, they're having things that they can actually implement in their operation right away. Like people don't even know like all the different types of audits they're supposed to be performing. So it's not just a certification program. We've also made, and this is because people have asked us for this for so much. We have individual audit courses. So how to master uh, retail operation audits, how to master cultivation audits, manufacturing, and then of course, distribution so that, that operators can really zero in on, okay, this is the data I need to be pulling. This is what I should be looking at. And this is how I fix it. So there isn't any other education out there that I'm aware of. And so we're super stoked to be pushing those out. That's great. I I mean, I can just imagine somebody, a young person who's just started a job at a dispensary or whatever it is, and you need to do professional, this is again, this is jobs, people. These are jobs and businesses across our country and they're run like other businesses, but we want them run better than other businesses because we're trying to create a new culture, which is what Debbie and her folks are doing out there in Denver. So that's awesome. And then just, I don't know, I was talking about safe banking. They're talking about safe banking. Is this anything you're involved with? That is such a huge, huge ordeal for um, everybody, especially businesses. So it really limits us. It's, It's directly affecting our business, even though we are not plant touching we can't have a PayPal or a Stripe. It's and being an online information business, yeah. delivering education. Yes, it is a huge deal for us. And I, they've got to do something. Coming from banking, right? You know, I, when I'm in these, when I'm in these clubhouse rooms, and and you hear people talking about like, oh well, bankers don't like cannabis and blah blah blah. And I'm like, you don't understand. That's not what it's about. It's about money. As soon as they're allowed. To take our money, oh, you better believe it. They're going to be taking it hand over fist. That's what I believe. I do. I think because there is this debate for we can't ever get anything through Congress, and they're debating safe equity versus social equity in terms of like getting incarcerated people out of prison, which should happen, obviously. Yes. But the issue is, people in the social equity need banking just like everybody else, and I don't, I don't know what's supposed to come first. I was, I mean, I couldn't get a bank account, and I'm a podcast, so. I don't know how we're supposed to build an industry and build businesses if we can't have normal banking. So I guess I'm coming down on the side of safe banking. Can we just get this done for God's I, sakes? Yes. I think it, I think it would really go a long way in, in helping to uh, improve people's immediate lives and being able to make money. Like I do. I really do. Which is, again, I am an advocate now. You're an advocate too, but I came into this as a business and I've just been kind of stymied all along the way that how weirdly difficult it is and I don't even touch the plant so <laughs> yeah I know and I'm like when does that part happen when do people start fr- sending me free samples all of my all of my friends who are not in cannabis are like oh you're working cannabis can I get a free sample I'm like I don't do that I'll give you a free SOP I don't know you're not going to know what to do with it but I don't have those types of products <laughs> I'm not in the fun part she's in the boring part which is literally the most important part of the entire industry because we can't build an industry if we don't have real business so Oh my goodness, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Um, Just give one more shout out, um, your business, how people can reach you. And I think that's it. Yes. Please find us at rockymountaincannabisconsulting.com 
rmcc.io. You can always hit us up at info at train. Oh, I'm sorry, info at rmcc.io. And we're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram, all that good stuff. People never share a shout out to Clubhouse. Everybody I talk to almost is on Clubhouse. So people look for my friends on Clubhouse. I, it's not even on my card. So I think I got to start talking about it more. Yes. Yes. All yes. right. Clubhouse and Cannabis. Thank you, Debbie. So today for my guest, Debbie Franza out there in Denver, Colorado. I'm going to make it out there. It's where I had my Cannabis Awakening. So I have to go back. And my Cannabro, David Yaz. And my Cannabro. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't you mean award-winning producer, David Yaz? Oh, oh, and my award-winning Cannabro producer, David Yaz. Sorry, I forgot that. (laughs) And our Cannabro Show team, Catherine and Hayden. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannabro Show where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of start a time. Thank you for following and subscribing and sharing all the amazing cannabis stories of the women building this new industry. So together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregiving. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.